Amen is right. Well, it's a joy to be with you. My glasses aren't too fogged from uh, the mask. Um, we are in a wonderful sermon series. You just got two sermons left. We are in a sermon series titled Jesus's High Priestly Prayer. And if you remember where we left off last week, you remember where we were? Jesus, in this high priestly prayer, prayed that his heavenly Father would give us the very joy of Jesus himself fulfilled in us. You remember that? Um, and, and today we're faced with a challenging question. And it's this. Is Jesus' joy that, that he wants fulfilled in us a joy that you can experience apart from service to God? Can you be saved by grace and settle into a cush life? And that's how Jesus' joy comes to you? I think we know the answer to that. But let's see that, that why being saved to serve is so marvelous and why it should always be our passion to serve as followers of Christ. So we are in John chapter 17. Our passage is verse 14 through 19. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I ask that you... I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. So if you want to know God, if you want to know his will, if you want to know his way, then we must know his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words of our Savior Jesus. As we've seen, they open up a window into the very heart of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so may we as your people know more fully today um, of your passion for us, of your work on our behalf, how you've served for us and consecrated for us this new life in Christ. And may we see our lives now as precious and important and, 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 and instill in us a desire to serve with, with joy. Amen. Well, I'm sure we've all heard stories from numerous combat veterans who, upon returning from a long deployment, they, how they find it difficult to, to fit into the normal world around them. People just going about their normal daily routine, like driving the kids to school and, and grocery shopping and going to ball games and concerts. To the soldier, it's, it's all kind of surreal. There, there's a battle raging on, on, on earth, and, and they have a calling to serve in the fight, and their fellow soldiers or Marines are laying down their lives in hostile territory at that very moment. And, and in the midst of it, the kids ask, Daddy, when are we going to Disney World? And so to suddenly be thrust into a cozy American dreamland is, is quite disconcerting. The words of Jesus in this prayer alert us to the fact that we who call ourselves Christians should feel a little bit like those soldiers who return home and feel out of place in the world. This is Jesus' point when twice he says in our text, they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. 
See, what Jesus makes abundantly clear in his teaching, and certainly in this text today, is that we have not been saved to settle into this world, to make it our home. You know, that is what those first disciples had hoped for as they stood there listening to Jesus pray those words. You remember, remember their great hope? Remember on their way into Jerusalem how they argued with each other as to who would sit on the right and who would sit on the left when Jesus came into his kingdom? They, they had hoped that, that Jesus would finally establish himself as the rightful Messiah and that all of Israel and the rest of the world would rejoice and welcome him. And then the disciples would be assured of prestigious places in Christ's kingdom. They naively thought that being a follower of Jesus would eventually lead them to a settled, safe, and satisfied life in this world. And you know, I think we modern-day disciples can kind of do the same thing. We can seek a settled and safe and satisfied life, all thanks to Jesus. Do you see this tendency in your own life? I see it in mine. I have a tendency to find contentment in the temporal things of this world, the lure that the world has, all that it has to offer us. And so imagine the looks between the disciples um, when Jesus is praying this prayer, and he hears the, they hear the words in verse 18. And he hear Jesus say, As you sent me, so I have sent them into the world. Can you kind of picture the collective gulp? <laughs> right? As the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus, listen, is sending us. We have a mission and we have a battle to join. And so today's sermon is not titled Saved to Settle. It's titled Saved to Serve. And we're going to divide our time into four areas. We'll go through them quite quickly. Um, We're going to look at the conflict, the care, the calling, and then the consecration. First, the conflict. And, and here's the big, big idea here. Whether you like it or not, whether you will admit it or not, the fact that must continually be pressed into our minds is this. The life of the Christian in this world is a life of conflict. Though we used to bow and serve the prince of darkness, we have been delivered, right, by Christ into the kingdom of his glorious light. We are new creations. We are new. We're not the old self. We're not slightly better versions of the old you. We've been made new in Christ. And sadly, the forces that are opposed to God are now opposed to us. That's why the Apostle Paul urged the Ephesian church, you know, the passage, put on the full armor of God in order that they may stand against the devil's schemes. Why was that? Because Paul writes, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. (laughs) As Jesus concluded the Beatitudes, he said these telling words, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Then he says what? Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Now, you would think that the world, right, would, would welcome God with, with open arms if he were to come and visit, right? 
Imagine if God like came to earth and he, he held one of those press conferences. I know it's a little weird to think about it, but he stands up there at the microphone and says, Good afternoon. My name is Yahweh. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. All things were created by me, including you. And I've sent my son into this world to die in your place so that you may be sanctified and set apart as my very own people. I will care for you. I will provide for you. I will be your God and you will be my people and you will live on earth for my kingdom in, in my glory. Any questions? <laughs> yeah, um, Yahweh, uh, would it be okay instead, maybe in, instead of living for your kingdom and your glory, would, would it be all right instead of maybe, I don't know, maybe just kind of acknowledge, acknowledge you, your existence, but... Just keep on doing what we've been doing, you know, kind of like we've always done it. Oh, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, that ain't right. What kind of God would require his people to honor him and live for him? That's all jacked up. Grab your pitchforks, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to run this Yahweh out of town. All right, silly, I know. Uh, but the truth is, that's what this world has done to Christ. God's own son came to make peace. And the world crucified him. Listen, nothing has changed in the world since then. Different people, uh, same sinful story. And so, what Jesus, and so what Jesus is saying in verse 14 is this, Father, I've given them, these disciples, your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Christian, understand this. Yes, you live in this world, but you belong to your, your heavenly Father. Your life is now hidden in Christ. Christ dwells in you. And so make no mistake, as you follow after Christ, as you give others the words of God that gave you life in Christ, yes, some will believe and receive, but most will reject those words and you just as they did Jesus. The best that this world can be towards us is that people give us the Mother Teresa treatment. <laughs> the world loved Mother Teresa. They patted her on the back and they applauded her. Why? Not because they loved God like she loved God and served. No, they patted her on the back because she made them feel like they really aren't that bad after all. If she could do it, well, then they could do it too, but they don't. <laughs> and so they will pat Mother Teresa on the back saying, good for you, and then go on living their selfish, self-gratifying, God-denying, God-hating lives. See, the world is just not wired to receive the love of God. This, this world that we live in is, is hostile to God. And so let me ask you, are you aware of this conflict? This is the world that Jesus came into, and this is the world that we, his followers, are sent into. That's the conflict now for the care. The big idea here is this, that Jesus does not pray for the Father to take us out of the world, out of this battle, but rather that God would care for us in this world. Do you remember the old Star Trek, the TV show version with, with William Shatner playing Captain Kirk? Some of you have, have no clues of what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, so Captain Kirk would find himself on this scary planet, like about to be like eaten by aliens or something, and he'd say what? Beam me up, Scotty. 
And then magically, Scotty would beam him off the Earth back into the Starship Enterprise. Now, I used to think that was really cool. I always wanted to do that. Well, in this prayer, Jesus says that he's, he's not beaming up his disciples, uh, nor will he beam us up until, listen, God's purposes for each and every one of us have been fulfilled. Jesus prays for two ways in which God can care for us in this world and how he does care for us. We see the first in verse 15. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you what keep them from the evil one. These 11 disciples will have all sorts of troubles and trials in the years ahead. All but one of them will die violent death as they serve Christ. The world has hated them, just as Jesus promised. But Jesus also prayed that these disciples would be kept from the evil one. Listen, Christian, God has a place for you and me. For now, it's not to be with him in heaven, not taken out of this world, but here to serve in it. And though none of us can be certain what will befall us, one thing we can rest assured of, be rest assured of is what? The evil one will be kept from us. Oh, not that he doesn't try to distract us from our heavenly calling, and he does, right? Every day I must remind myself that I've been bought at a price, the precious blood of Christ. Uh, I belong to him and his kingdom and, and that God has called me to live on an entirely different plane than, than this world. How about you? You need that reminder too, don't you? With our closing hymn, we will, and we're not there yet, sorry. Two more points, one more point, maybe two. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, with our closing hymn, we're going to sing, In Christ Alone. We get to sing the following words. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I stand. Satan cannot touch you if you are in Christ, but he can still tell you lies. He can get you to think that grace doesn't cover that one persistent sin. Satan will lie to try to get you to think that God won't use you, that you can never really change, or that prayer really doesn't matter, or that God's grace is conditional. But the evil one knows this. He knows that you belong to God. Jesus' prayer has come true. Keep them from the evil one. That's what your Heavenly Father is doing right at this very moment. This is the care that your Heavenly Father delights to do to keep you from the evil one. The second aspect of God's care is in verse 17. Jesus prays for the Father to sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We, we looked at this a few weeks ago. We're going to cover it a little more deeply in a few minutes. Um, but to be sanctified means to be, be set apart by God as holy unto him. Uh, in the Old Testament days, God told Moses to put on Aaron the holy garments, and you shall anoint him and consecrate him that he may serve me as priest. To be consecrated, to be sanctified, to be made holy. It's all the same Greek verb. It means God has set you apart for his purposes. And, and it is the word of God that comes to us by the Holy Spirit. And as it does, it becomes implanted in us. And that's what sanctifies us. It sets us apart. We receive it in faith. My friends, we've been made holy by the words of God, by the decrees of God. Words such as this from, from Isaiah chapter 1. Come, 
Now let us reason together, says the word of the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. We have been made white as snow by his word. We've received it in faith. And God continues to care for us in our lives as we daily feed upon his word. That's what we're doing right now. We are feeding on his word as the body of Christ gathered in. And so this word continues to set us apart and nourish us and care for us as God's people. Does this make sense? This is how we're able to be kept by God in a world that rejects God. God does not take us out of this world. He does something better. He cares for us as we serve him in this world. Do you understand that? So we looked at the conflict and the care. Now for the calling. You know, not only does God have a place for us in this world in which he cares for us, we have a calling to live out. Jesus speaks of it in verse 18. He says, as, as you, Father, sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Jesus entered into a very hostile word with the true words of God and with the gospel of grace. He served for the Father's glory. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, he ushered in the kingdom of heaven that has come to earth. And Jesus is saying in the same way that he was sent by the Father to serve, so too he has sent us into the world to serve. Now, these words, they, they challenge the church for, for how we've done things over the years. Our focus upon monasteries and living cloistered lives. It challenges us today when we tend to want to wall ourselves off from the world and hide away in holy huddles. My friends, this is not how Jesus was sent into the world. Remember, Jesus traveled into hostile, hostile Samaritan territory. He hung out with that loose party girl, you know, the one with the penchant for sultry selfies and a love for beer pong. Jesus traveled into the foreign lands of the Decapolis and he healed a demon-possessed man and the owners of the pigs wanted to shoot Jesus for doing that. No, if you're a Christian, do not use your fear of being contaminated as an excuse not to be in the world. As you sent me, so I have sent them. But also let us not become chameleons, or as Jesus referred to it, saltless salt. We have the very words of God. The words are clear. We know who God is. We know. We're the, we're the ones who have the words of God. We know salvation, and we know who he's calling us to be. And listen, when who he's calling us to be makes us to stick out like sore thumbs in this world, well then let us stick out. James Boyce, the past minister of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philly, writes this about our being sent into the world. Listen, he says, We are to know non-Christians, befriend them, and enter into their lives in such a way as we begin to infect them with the gospel, rather than them infecting us with their worldliness. That is how Jesus was sent into the world. And if you belong to him, this is Jesus' calling upon you. His calling upon you isn't sit there where you are and wait it out. His calling upon you isn't let the professionals in the church do the evangelism. 
My friends, I know that with this COVID-19, that, that evangelism seems to be just like thrown out the window, right? How do you even begin to evangelize? The enemy has to be really rejoicing. But consider this. Now is the time to be preparing the soil. Now is the time to be praying for others. Others who can come to reason with God and see that their sins, though they be like scarlet, in Christ they shall be white as snow. And consider this too. Things have been opening up out here. There are things you and I can do, like like inviting someone that you're praying for to go meet you on the beach for a socially distanced sunset. Leslie and I have been doing a bit of this lately. And check this out. We've found that in some of the cases, we, we were the very first persons that these people had hung out with since the pandemic started. We, we who, who are Christians who love them and are interested in them and, and who will listen well and, and who offer caring words, Oh, to be the first person that someone coming out of this pandemic gets to sit with. We have that privilege. We should be praying for that. Now, I'm not mentioning this to pat me and me on the back and my wife. We've got a long ways to go when it comes to evangelism. But that's just uh, an example of, of what we can be doing out here on the East End to, to bring the hope of the gospel to our neighbors. Hopefully we all see that we have a calling is to live in this world, in this place, for Christ and his glory as we bring the words of Christ to a world that's, that needs it desperately. Brings us to our final point, the consecration. All right now, time for a Greek, Greek, quick Greek word study. Uh, the Greek verb hagiazo may be translated with three different English words, to make holy, uh, to sanctify, to consecrate. The noun hagias means uh, holy or saint or consecrated. And so in verse 17, when we read sanctify them in the truth, and in verse 19, when Jesus says, for their sake I consecrate myself, that they may be sanctified in truth, it is the same Greek verb here, hagiazo. So what's going on? First, understand this. It's really important we understand this. It is God who sanctifies and consecrates or makes you holy. He does this by his word through the blood of his son. Just like Aaron as he was put on the holy garment and was sprinkled and set apart as consecrated. That's what God does for us. It, God does this and it happens to us. So understand this. Christian, you've been consecrated, uh, set apart, sanctified, made holy by God, for God's service. What an honor. Do we see it as that? Do we really like cherish this? Like we've been consecrated by God himself for this calling. But check out this second reality of what Jesus is saying. I want you to ponder, listen, the loveliness of it all and see the reason why Jesus is so utterly beautiful and worthy of our devotion. If you really want to know God's heart for sinners like you and me, then meditate on these four words that Jesus says. Look at the first four words of verse 19. And for their sake. 
there's, there's not many words that can rival that. And for their sake. Behold the selfish devotion of the very Son of God for you. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Listen, you know the context. Within a few hours, he's going to be hauled off. In half a day, he's going to be crucified. And, and here we see his heart for sinners like you and me. He, he, he says, I'm setting myself apart for them, for their sake. Listen, you and I are hopeless and helpless to be holy or sanctified or consecrated. It is not a work you can do for yourself. Can what is dirty make itself clean? Of course not. But listen, that is, that is one of the reasons why so many people reject Christ and persecute Christians. One, isn't it true they think you're judging them? When, you, when they are told that, that they're sinful and they need a Savior? How dare you, they say. And even if they may agree that they've got some cleaning up to do, they want to cancel culture you for suggesting they can't clean themselves up by themselves. How dare you think, I'm not good enough to fix my faults. And so they judge you for being judgmental, and they drive off angry while cranking up the stereo singing John Lennon's Imagine. See, grace, the very thing, the only thing that can save them, listen, is offensive to them. They hate grace. See, grace opposes all that they've built their lives upon, right? But that which is dirty cannot make itself clean. The work must be done by another, and not just any other. It must be someone clean, and with the power and the authority to do so for your sake. And this is what Jesus is saying to his Father. He will do it for their sake. And ponder this last nugget. Nowhere in the entire Bible is it ever written that anybody themselves has gone and sanctified themselves. Nowhere is it commanded to do. Nowhere has it been done. No one has ever said, I'm sanctifying myself. Nowhere. Why? Because... We cannot do it. Normal human beings cannot sanctify ourselves, but the Son of God, that's what He said. And for their sake, I consecrate myself so that they also may be, same Greek word, consecrated, sanctified, made holy. And my friends, it's not just what He said, it's what He did. Jesus consecrated Himself, not for His sake, but for our sake, and for his Father's glory. My friends, we've seen this morning that we've been saved not to settle. We've been saved to serve. We are not of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven, and yet Jesus has a place and a purpose for us in this world. We've been sanctified by God. We've been set apart by him, and not so that we can settle into this world and try to find our best life in it. 
No, Jesus has sent us into this world according to the pattern that his Father sent him into this world. And so we see our pattern, that, that God by grace and his power of the Holy Spirit, we, we, we can now consecrate our lives to Christ and his kingdom. Does not this high priestly prayer enliven you? Don't Jesus' words humble you and challenge you? And also maybe cause you to confess and repent. But also, do they not fill you with, with hope that God is going and will do good things in you, in us? We've been sanctified in truth and sent into this world. May God's will and God's way be worked in us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you, your word gives life. Your word does the work of sanctifying. Right now in this very hour, these words of Jesus are, are causing us to see who we are in Christ and causing us to see our, our calling and how you, we are now consecrated for your work. May you not just enliven our hearts, but enliven our, our bodies to, to passionately follow after our calling. May we love people around us um, close to how much you love them. May we serve and sacrifice for others and for your glory, we pray. Amen.